The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. You've entered the realm of 1111 Talk Radio. Your host is Simran Singh. It's time to discover your own language with the universe. Learn to empower yourself, broaden your mind, open your heart, and discover who you are. Now, here's your host, Simran Singh. Happy holidays as we dive into the season, and tonight we're going to be talking about a taboo subject. We are talking about money. Money, love, and sex, any one of these subjects represents a plethora of complex emotions and experiences that humans have grappled with throughout history. When you mix these issues together, you have perhaps the most challenging and combustible material known to humankind. Even in the best of economic times, over 50% of the marriages in the United States end in divorce with money issues being reported as the number one cause. Left unmanaged and without proper and timely help, money issues will eventually chip away at the very foundation of trust and intimacy in our relationships. Without trust, intimacy cannot survive, and without intimacy, love withers and dies. The good news is, if couples recognize and manage their money dynamics early in their relationship, or better yet, before they live together or marry, they can learn how to work through and heal their differences. The emotional and financial pain and consequences that couples experience are taking a toll and costing them far too much, and it is time to break free of the money taboo and heal our collective money issues. So in the midst of this season when we're ready to spend all of our money, it's a good time to also think about some of those triggers that are going on as we're spending that money and the conversations that might be happening at home. I'm really excited to have this guest on today, and this book is amazing. I think everyone needs to read it, especially in the the manner of which we're teaching our children because they're picking up right from where we're leaving off if we don't change our ways. Deborah Price is a money coach and the founder and CEO of Money Coaching Institute, which provides money coaching, consulting, and coach training to individuals, couples, and businesses. Now an international speaker, consultant, and trainer for over 20 years, she was a financial advisor with firms such as Merrill Lynch, MassMutual, and AIG. She is the author of this wonderful book entitled The Heart of Money, A Couple's Guide to Creating True Financial Intimacy. Welcome, Deborah, to 1111 Talk Radio. It's great to have you. Hello, Simran. Wonderful to be here. Well, money is that taboo word that we are going to be talking about today. And why is that? Why do we have such a fear about talking about money? Well, it really does go back to uh, a lot of our early childhood um, experiences. And I think just about everybody can remember, you know, when you asked for something or you needed something when you were a child, very often the response was, what do you think? Is money grown on trees? Am I made of money? So it's just a very emotionally sensitive and volatile subject. And, well, and I, I love how you really connect the fact that 
you know, money and emotions, that there's something going on. Metaphysically, money is connected to relationship. And so the very fact that you're writing about money and our relationship to money is intriguing, but then in terms of also how it affects couples, it's just all connected because of that metaphysical side of this as well. Well, and I think that um, relationship... And, and spirituality are very interconnected just as a natural place. We come up against all of our stuff when we mate and partner or marry. And then when you add money to the mix, which is naturally just such a taboo and sensitive subject, it becomes, it's like throwing gas on the fire, right? And so oh, many people yeah. don't know how to talk about it. And you talk about a money shadow. Uh, talk about what that is and how that shows up in our lives. Well, any time that something is taboo, it sort of is literally a place of ourselves that, you know, we tend to want to shove under the rug. And, you know, we may have feelings of guilt or shame or feelings of unworthiness. Um, our net worth and our self-worth can be very, very um, interconnected and wrongly so because, you know, how much you have is not who you are, but, you know, it's the way that we're socialized. And so the shadow is the part of ourselves that instead of wanting to be open about and explore and, and um, evolve around is something that we tend to push down. Oh, let's not go there. And as a result, the shadow can become quite a monster. Well, and it's interesting that you use that term because with spirituality and self-work and the inner work that's involved, we're so often having to allow those shadows to come up and face them. And and oftentimes we really think it's more just about the personality, but we don't consider that we have a money personality or that that money can have a shadow effect within ourselves as well. Well, I think we see so much evidence of that in all areas of, of our world. You know, money is a, a means of either assisting and or oppressing and manipulating. And a lot of our more base sort of behaviors and certainly a lot of the problems on the planet are due to, oh, if if we didn't have a money shadow, we might actually make better choices. Um, but, you know, money and greed and some of these other, you know, darker, more dense aspects can um, definitely cause us some challenges. Now, you, you talk about in the book very much how we base our ideas of money and our behaviors with money from things that occurred to us as children and, and that it is often established, um, first and foremost, as a system of punishment and reward when we're children. So uh, how does that then start to evolve into our beliefs about money and our what does that punishment and reward do to us? Well, this is an area that I feel really strongly about is that um, children really shouldn't have the experience that they get something, uh, in particular money or things, um, when they're good or et cetera, and that this kind of, it's a very flawed reward system because when you withhold um, something as critical to our everyday need, you wouldn't withhold food, for example, you know, that wouldn't be a healthy thing. Or just give a child food if they were good. You, money is a core survival issue. We need to know and be in relationship with it um, every day. So the, this idea that you're, you only receive if you're good implies that if we don't receive, then does that mean we're bad? So children 
when in the absence of actually any other conversation or education, will begin to interpret this um, compensatory love system that we're talking about um, as something that has to do with who they are and that they either deserve or don't deserve and then grow up to then act that out. And is that what you term as the unconscious inheritance? Well, the unconscious inheritance is a little bit of a different thing, and that's where, you know, when we're observing and experiencing our parents in relationship to money and how they behave as well as do they are they similar or are they different? Is there a great contradiction between what they say and what they do? Again, little children are very observant and they'll start seeing these contradictions and it becomes confusing. So often what happens is that we will inherit um, unconsciously patterns from both of our parents. But most parents aren't really exactly on the same page or many. And so then a child has an unconscious inheritance where they actually inherit patterns from both parents, but they're in conflict with one another. And so then their relationship becomes very conflictual. So we have, we have the inheritance from our mother of, of, their, of her money beliefs and money behaviors, and then we have that of our father, and then we have whatever we were taught based on our punishment reward system as a child. Are there other parts of this uh, money cycle that we start to have that are involved besides these three. Yeah, there are you know there are patterns that I call self actuated. So as a person grows and and evolves and becomes more aware of themselves, they can actually make clear and conscious choices and self actuate into positive patterns. And then there are other more unconscious patterns that we call reactive. So for example. If you had a father who was very controlling and very money-oriented and money seemed to be the only thing that mattered to him, um, a reactive pattern might be that you've decided to go the 360 uh, in the opposite direction and have disdain for money in the material world and think that people and money are bad. Mm. And all of this, anytime we're dealing with money, it tends to be more of an emotional thing, not a rational thing. That was something that you stated in the book. And uh, one very, very big part that that came through also is that the three overlapping factors were the collective unconscious and then uh, the, the brain pattering that is hardwired, but then also our basic biology, that there is an ancestral primitive brain that we bring in, and that has a whole nother component of what our money thoughts are. Yes, and because money is a core survival system and literally rates on the food chain as far as us human beings, down there with food, shelter, you know, the basics, um, we can become triggered and, and when we're triggered, we're going to become far more emotional and reactive and irrational rather than, because money is also a very practical issue in our lives, rather than logical, practical, and rational. And so that this emotional triggering, which is largely based upon, you know, this um, uh, early hardwired programming and our experiences, unfortunately, which most people never even recall until maybe later if they're lucky, it's sort of like there are cracks in the foundation and then when we mate and marry that somebody steps on the crack and you go, all of a sudden you're in reaction and you don't realize you're not really in reaction to your husband, you're in reaction to something that actually happened when you were 10. And as far as the collective unconscious is going, 
are, are our own personal behaviors in regard to money that we have picked up in all these different ways, are they part of what has contributed to the overall look of what our economy on a national level and a global level even looks like? Or is, is that collective unconscious also contributing to the collective conscious of what is happening in our world? I greatly believe so, and there's a lot of evidence of it, you know, from the standpoint of, you know, for example, um, if you look at the history of money, we've actually, as human beings, not done so well, and that money has caused, or at least has been scapegoated as the cause of many of our society's ills, and so, and then even in religion, money is often considered the source of many problems, evil, greed, when really what it is, it's, it's individual human behaviors and that have caused things to go awry. Money itself is fairly neutral, right? So the collective unconscious is passed down sort of like the giant hard, you know, uh, hard drive of humanity, a lot of negative experiences. And I, and I think there, there is actually some evidence in some new research that our DNA may itself be programmed for example, if you lived in times of poverty and you had famine, you, your DNA might be more programmed in the future to have um, feelings or issues of scarcity relative to food and money and, and more concern than somebody who grew up where they had plenty of food in the history of their family ancestry. Not only do we all need and deserve financial intimacy and security, but it is our birthright. We live in an abundant universe, and if we learn how to manage our resources more wisely, we should be able to find a way to properly support the basic needs of every human being on the planet. If this is true, why do so many feelings of fear and scarcity exist? The primary reason is that people live perpetually between two contradictory cycles, fear and greed. When the world feels safe and secure, we'll spend like there's no tomorrow, to the point of excess, greed and overconsumption. The flip side of this occurs the minute the inner landscape gets triggered and we feel fearful or at financial risk. At that point, most people become emotional, impulsive, or reactive and begin to hold on to protect whatever they have. This is from the book, The Heart of Money, by author Deborah L. Price. She is a money coach and founder and CEO of the Money Coaching Institute, which provides money coaching, consulting, and coaching training to individuals, couples, and businesses. You can find out more at moneycoachinginstitute.com. That's moneycoachinginstitute.com. We'll be right back with Deborah Price. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444... People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today, www.1111mag.com. 1111 Magazine is a bi-monthly print publication that offers a rich, multi-sensory experience. As you engage with experts and topics of consciousness, become enlightened, empowered, and energized so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset, discovering the heart, and stepping into conscious living. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com. 
In these changing times, the journey toward global consciousness has never been more important. Gaim TV is the first online video library dedicated to support your journey toward global and personal discovery. Our viewers enjoy unlimited access to our vast selection of inspiring interviews, engaging films, and award-winning wellness videos. And we invite you to try it for free. Visit www.gaiamtv.com to start your free trial. The journey starts now. That's G-A-I-A-M TV.com. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Be extraordinary. Be the change. You are listening to 1111 Talk Radio. If you'd like to join today's discussion, please call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5795. Again, 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email to info at believesc.com. Now back to 1111 Talk Radio with Simran Singh. Definitely visit 1111mag.com and register for the newsletter. 1111 Magazine will be launching with a new look in 2013 and lots of amazing new things happening, and that is free to humanity. So definitely sign up for your free subscription at any time and have access to all of the wonderful material that comes through there. You can also connect with me on Facebook or Twitter. I do a daily post every day that is uh, something that you can use as a mantra or a deep inquiry for yourself. So I'd love to have you connect with me there as well. My guest today is Deborah Price, and she's the author of The Heart of Money. The human brain is highly vulnerable to stress, and when we're worried about finances and money, it becomes flooded with cortisol, the stress hormone, similar to when we flood the carburetor with too much gas. Having too much cortisol in the brain can cause us to malfunction and reduces our ability to effectively problem-solve or manage our financial challenges. In addition, too much stress can affect the level of serotonin as well, which can lead to sadness, depression, and despair. The bottom line is that money issues can impact the best of us, and whenever we become emotionally and financially imbalanced, our biochemistry is greatly impacted as well. So we need to become more knowledgeable about the relationship between money and the brain so that we may understand one another and live in greater harmony. This book is a perfect pathway to doing that. It is packed full of information, and you're going to discover your money type and also your partner's money type and how you need to work with that. Again, the title of the book is The Heart of Money, and the author is Deborah Price and that was material from the book. You can connect with her at um, the moneycoachinginstitute.com. Excuse me, moneycoachinginstitute.com. Deborah, it, it does cause a lot of stress in life when we think about money. Um, a lot of people are going through hard times right now, and that stress is affecting their relationships. It's affecting their bodies. It's affecting how they're uh, speaking to their children or how they're acting in the world. Talk a little bit about the the dark side and the detriment that that our belief in money or our behaviors around money can have on us. Well, I think that when we're having hard times, you know, the the thing is is that we often don't know what to do or where to go for help. And you know, depending upon you know your money type, for example, people have different ways of coping. I think one of the things that I like to help people to know is that. In most cases, if you look at your life, 
the majority of people, you know, we're not in sub-Sahara or some other parts of the world where literally you might have 50 cents or a dollar a day to live on if you're lucky. Here, for the most part, we have to realize that there's evidence that regardless of what's happening in this moment um, or our fears, that we generally have done okay, that we've had enough. We have enough food, we have shelter, you know, and that as we escalate into, you know, or catastrophize that the worst is yet to come, that we literally, um, not only do we increase the, the cortisol and the stress hormones and potentially cause ourselves to begin to malfunction, you know, a bit relative to our, our spirits and our body, et cetera, but that to, the truth is if we just reach deeper into some place of faith and use strategies like meditation or prayer, that we should we need to become more resourceful from within in order to get more resourceful from without. So even with our money, that change is going to be an inside job, uh, very much on the spiritual level, but then also probably on the the mental level. I know so many people probably have, and you've written statements in the book, you know that nothing I ever do is good enough, or I'm cursed when it comes to money, or. Uh, you have to work really, really hard to ever make any money, or I, I'm not going to have anything. Um, what, what do what do we do with all of those mental thoughts? How can they change, or is change a choice? Well, change is definitely a choice, and what we have to begin to do is use our human will um, more effectively. And um, I think we can have sort of a, I call it flabby or or lazy will power overall, and that um, we have to begin to understand why we have the feelings and behaviors we do. And so that requires kind of going back. And the book gives you lots of opportunities to actually do some work and self-reflection and grow your own awareness of why you feel the way you do and why, and even the behaviors. So almost all of the those more painful feelings and experiences that you have today have some e- connection to the past. So once you begin to understand, almost everybody begins to feel better because they understand it. And that most of those tapes and messages, they're not true. And so we need to reevaluate and challenge those beliefs. And and that's why money is not the money issues are not really the disease, they're just the symptoms. That's right. It's usually more money will only solve a problem in the immediate, you know, maybe more comfort or take the the pain out. Uh, you know, so to speak, instantly, it's not really going to solve the deeper problem. And so money issues are usually a symptom of some other issues that need to be, you know, looked at and and healed. So let's talk about um, personal mythology and and the money goes about um, starting to understand the steps towards change. Yes. So... The exploration of our own personal money mythology is a really rich process where you begin to, you know, literally rewrite or write your story and and remap the experiences that you've had since childhood. So that's an exercise that um, we do with every single client. And without fail, you know, what happens is that as you begin to understand the content of your own life and your own experience, you can then form a context for change. But without having that awareness, it's like trying to make change in a vacuum. You don't even know why or what you're making change for. And so it doesn't usually work. 
And when we have our story and we have a partner and they have their story, just like in any other aspect of relationship, we're coming from those two filters and that is what's causing the triggers? Well, that and the fact that you may often have um, archetypes that conflict. So, for example, if you're an innocent um, fool archetype, for example, you have a tendency to sort of want to put your head in the sand and don't really like to look at the details of money, may not feel comfortable even talking or confronting about how you feel, and maybe the fool, as a result, gets kind of busy and, you know, restless and they spend without thinking or whatever. And then maybe you're married to somebody who's more of a warrior tyrant. And the warrior tyrant is going, why can't you just be like me and be disciplined and pay attention and blah, blah, blah. And next thing you know, you feel like you're married to your dad. And so those, those, um, it becomes a battle of the archetypes. And so then the spouse becomes reactive and sometimes rebels and, you know, it's just, it, downhill from there usually and you go into the archetypes in this book the heart of money but you also you go more deeply into the eight money types in your other book money magic unleashing your true potential for prosperity and fulfillment uh, just so people know that there's another book that they need to go out and get as well talk a little bit about some of these eight money types so there are the eight money types is uh, consist of the innocent the victim the warrior the martyr, the fool, the creator artist, tyrant, and the magician. And truly, we all start out as innocents. We don't really know about money. We're often not taught or educated, so people are left to fend for themselves, and things don't usually go well, you know, and sometimes there are consequences to that, So, and or we can get set up to be victimized. And so once, if you enter into the victim realm, that's where maybe you've had some bad experiences, and or feel betrayed or maybe have in some way been um, misused or abused by others relative to money. Um, the only way that we start moving out of that cycle is to sort of claim our own power and go into the warrior. And the warrior is the archetype of action and the person who says, you know what, I'm going to conquer this domain, and they um, really set out to do that. Sometimes along the way, though, the warrior overdoes it and um, maybe overconquers and takes care of too many people or rescues too many and therefore moves into the martyr realm. And the martyr is that part of us that feels like, you know, we have to do everything and we're on our own and maybe sacrifices and suffers too much for others financially. And then the next archetype uh, on the journey is the, the fool. And the fool sometimes just says, you know what, I don't really care about, you know, the discipline. I just want what I want now. It's sort of the immediate gratification archetype. They're fun and adventurous, but they tend to just um, be too impulsive and undisciplined. Um, And then from there we have the creator artist, and that's the archetype that we see more people stepping into later in life, you know, in their 40s or so, Um, where they're starting to say, you know what, I don't really, making money alone isn't doing it for me. So it's more about becoming more in alignment with one's purpose. So, and sometimes the creator artist, as a result of, you know, that there's an inner conflict about money in the material world and how do you navigate that and do what you love. So that's the journey of the creator artist. The tyrant, then, is the archetype that basically says the money is all that matters, um, money focus, money driven, um, money over people, and usually though at the baseline of the tyrant, they 
learned somewhere along the, the line the flawed belief that money is the only thing that will save them. And so they hold onto it really tight and feel very fearful and controlling um, because that's their safety. The magician. Well, I love I love how you uh, in the book you go through with the different characteristics of each of the eight archetypes, mm-hmm. and then you have a quiz that people can take that really helps them to delineate which one or ones they really fall in, so that they can understand uh, how they're coming through in terms of money and, and, and how they're reacting or how they're behaving. And mm-hmm. it, was, it was quite interesting to me to go through and discover myself and my own money archetypes within that process. And I think the same thing, too, when you do the story mapping, I love how you give some samples of patterns and emotions and beliefs because oftentimes um, when, when a list is given there, you can recognize right away, oh, wait, my goodness, I do this. I do exactly this, and it helps you to come to that greater awareness. That's right. That's right. And you can recognize yourself in the money types. And the truth is, all eight money types are inside of all of us. It's just a question of who has the most speaking parts. And is our goal to try to get to become the magician, or is it uh, just to master the, the type that we are to be the highest possible that it can be? Well, we work to help develop um, three archetypes in particular um, you want to lower your innocent, your fool, the martyr, the, the tyrant, etc. And you want to increase and strengthen the warrior, the magician, and the creator artist. Um, because the three of those to- together are sort of like the trifecta of archetypes. They're a very powerful team, and they, w- they work synergistically um, very well together. Money is a powerful energy force and medium of exchange. It is a tool and a resource that we receive as a result of the actions and contributions we put forth in the world. It flows in and out of our lives in direct relationship to our efforts and intentions. Whenever you feel fearful or anxious about money, it is wise to spend some time in meditation or prayer to determine what inside of you might need attending to and begin to address those needs proactively. This is from the book, The Heart of Money, A Couple's Guide to Creating True Financial Intimacy by Deborah Price. She is a money coach and founder and CEO of the Money Coaching Institute, which provides money coaching, consulting, and coach training to individuals, couples, and businesses. In addition, she does train therapists and coaches to bring the money conversation into their own practices, so you might want to connect with her at moneycoachinginstitute.com. Again, the book title is The Heart of Money, Deborah Price, moneycoachinginstitute.com, and we'll be right back. This is the 7th Wave Channel on the Voice America Network. Every life on Earth has the capability of knowing the world in a much more powerful way than what we've settled for. And Gaiam TV is there to support your journey in knowledge, awareness, and awakening. Our vision is to raise global consciousness by bringing viewers original interviews, inspiring films, and engaging series on today's most sought-after topics. We invite you to try Gaiam TV free for 10 days. Visit www.gaiamtv.com to claim your free trial. You won't look at your life and your world the same way again. That's G-A-I-A-M-T-V Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444... 
People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today, www.1111mag.com. 1111 Magazine is a bi-monthly print publication that offers a rich, multi-sensory experience. As you engage with experts and topics of consciousness, become enlightened, empowered, and energized so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset, discovering the heart, and stepping into conscious living. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com. The 7th Wave Channel on The Voice America Network. You are listening to 1111 Talk Radio. If you'd like to join today's discussion, please call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5795. Again, 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email to info at believesc.com. Now back to 1111 Talk Radio with Simran Singh. Money coach Deborah Price has taught thousands of people how to work together to resolve money conflicts and create a financially empowered future. In the Heart of Money, her latest book, she presents strategies and tools for creating financial intimacy while learning to communicate about money issues calmly and reflectively rather than reactively. With inspirational stories and practical techniques and exercises, this book will help you and your partner learn the language of financial intimacy and talk about money in a healthy and empowering way, recognize and change unhealthy money patterns, identify which of the eight money types apply to each of you, and understand the impact that they're having on your life, your relationship, and your finances, and build a mutual sense of financial security and confidence while you work through setbacks and challenges to make your relationship stronger than ever before. The book is The Heart of Money. The author is Deborah Price, and you can connect with her at moneycoachinginstitute.com. We were talking about the archetypes, Deborah, in the last segment. So a couple would then go through, and they would each discover their own archetype, and that would allow them to do what? They would, they would understand the, the filter that they're both coming from and how they're reacting, or how do they then take those two archetypes and start to develop a healthier, more intimate relationship with money and each other? Well, one of the ways that that um, works is as you begin to understand your own, understanding your archetypes alone is just sort of one filter, um, Understanding your individual histories along with the archetypes has a much more powerful um, impact in that you get to understand why your partner is the way they are. And so from that place, people usually open their hearts more and grow more compassionate and are more likely to be as reactive or judgmental or critical of their partner's behaviors. Because usually if we know that most of these issues stemmed from childhood and some often some painful experiences, we go, okay, I get it now. And, and then also they don't um, go in at an attack and blame way as much as they may have previously. When you're talking about financial intimacy, that is really getting comfortable with money and who we are with money and, and, and having that relationship. Is there a language that has to then follow 
Well, I teach principles of nonviolent communication to help people learn how to language their uh, feelings, emotions, and experience around money so that it becomes a far more neutral conversation because one of the things I hear from couples constantly is, we just can't talk about money. And so what we have to do is teach people how to talk first and, and rather than assume that everybody should know how to do this, we should just say, all right, we know this is a triggering conversation. Let's give you some new skills. And from there, things start to usually improve considerably. So are there certain core ways that, that people that are not communicating well about money speak as opposed to some special tidbits you can talk about right now that would help people change their conversation? In regard to money? Yeah, well, I think people tend to polarize. You know, this is, I'm like this, and you're like this, and therefore, you know, never the twain shall meet, um, and or go into the blame game. And and if from there, neither party can win. So, for example, one of my couples yesterday, they came in saying, you know what, we just have different values. And I said, you know, I know you both, and I think that's not true. So I had them do a values exercise. They actually had the same values. They just expressed those values differently. And so when you're polarized, you have an assumption that you're really very different, and that's often not the case. And so it becomes, how about finding the middle ground? How are you, in what ways are you alike? One thing that I love about the book is, is the way that you also let people know that abundance, prosperity, um, and money are not just money that it also has to do with appreciation and acknowledgement. And, and there's an exercise you have in the book called the Love Tab, which I think is, is fabulous, which I think maybe there are far too many people that are not doing enough of this. Um, talk yeah. a little bit about that Love Tab exercise and how that really can shift um, not only our money conversation with one another, but our sense of value. Well, the Love Tab is one of my favorite little inventions, and it's turned a lot of families around in a very simple way. And that's simply, you know, we don't hear enough positive from uh, our our loved ones. There's an assumption that we know how they feel, et cetera, but the idea that you can start to notice and acknowledge each other, your spouse, yourselves, as well as your children, and have everybody participate that in that um, on, you know, either a chalkboard or a whiteboard or whatever on a daily basis becomes a way in which you can all begin to be more connected and to acknowledge and appreciate each other in little small ways. And that goes a long distance in, uh, in keeping people together. Well, I think it's a wonderful exercise. I just love that. Now, as we go through, you also talk about uh, there are certain relationship survival steps that really will assist a, a person and a couple in moving forward through financial challenges. Can you talk about a few of those? I don't want to give them all away because I want people to go buy the book. <laughs> but if you could pick out a couple of those to just talk about that you feel are really strong ones. Well, I think especially in, given that it's the holiday season, is to, is to give from a place of your heart um, and to not buy or withhold your love um, for one another with money or things. Like to, this is the season of just generosity, but it's not always about if you don't have as much in terms of money, what else can you do to be generous with your partner and even with yourself? Um, secondly, it's just really looking at, you know, whatever money issues or 
disharmony there may be is to be proactive rather than, you know, pretend that maybe it's going to go away because it doesn't usually do that. It usually gets bigger. So be proactive and prevent from deepening the issue. Learn to talk about money up front. And if you can't, get some help and support. And also just make clear agreements. Often so many things go sideways just because we don't have clear agreements about, you know, what, how to spend money and um, what you value. I think those are a good place to get started. And, and that brings me to one of the points that actually was brought up in the very beginning of your book, which I think is, is one of those unspoken conversations and part of the reason that money is taboo, and it has to do with financial infidelity. And a lot of people participate in that and don't even realize that they're probably participating because it is just something that evolved. So talk a little bit about what financial infidelity is and how that can begin in a relationship and, 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 and become very destructive. Well, I think financial infidelity stems from that, in some ways, it's not okay to have or um, take care of ourselves. Many people talk about how when they buy something for themselves, they are afraid that they're going to, quote-unquote, get in trouble um, or they'll feel guilty. And so instead of actually saying, oh, I went shopping and I got a great pair of boots today, they'll buy the boots and stick them in the closet and then bring them out at some point and say, oh, I've had those for years or whatever. <laughs> so um, the, the problem is is that your spouse will probably be on to you at some point. And what I've heard is that once you start, uh, I hear this from couples that if you lie to me about this, what else are you lying to me about? And so what it does is it creates a hole um, in the intimacy where trust or mistrust can come in and erode at the relationship. And, and that then creates resentment and anger in the other person, which is either suppressed uh, and, and then they start to mirror the behavior and will start to have their own things that they are, are hiding and, and, and spending on as well. Yeah, and and what happens often is that, you know, once trust issues are, uh, develop in a relationship, if that hasn't isn't managed quickly, that gives somebody the sort of rational lie that oh maybe it's okay if I do this, and next thing you know, the person might then justify other kinds of acting out, and so that's a spiral that can become really a problem. So let's talk about that conversation. Uh, go out and buy a, a pair of really beautiful boots for myself for Christmas, and rather than sticking them in the closet and pulling them out later and pretending they've always been there, I want to come home and say, what? I think you come home and say, look, um, I was out shopping and I found these boots and I was really feeling like I deserve these and I really want them, and so I bought them. And now I'm feeling a little uncomfortable about it. And if the reaction that comes back is, how could you possibly spend that on boots? How many, you have 365 pairs of shoes in your closet. You don't need another pair and we've got other expenses. If you get that reaction back, what is the response or how do you continue the communication in a way that is still supportive and loving but allowing, allowing, the, allowing it to heal, I guess, is, is the best word to use at this moment. 
So the best way to step into that conversation is to say, look, I'm, I chose to tell you the truth, which is I bought the boots and now I'm uncomfortable. The reason I almost didn't tell you is that I thought you would react in that way. And so when you do that, it makes me feel scared and it makes me want to, you know, it makes me shut down and, and not want to be close or be honest with you. And that's not my true desire. So can we talk about this in a different way? And let me tell you why I bought them and how I feel about that. And then let's you tell me your side, and then we're going to come to a decision about how to manage it. And if I need to take them back, I will. But we need to learn to talk about this differently. We are not given the proper training and education we needed to be financially successful, which often means that we have some unlearning to do before we can create and implement the new learning. Through your inner work and perseverance, you can begin to heal the money wounds that have caused you to become confused about what really matters. Money is a tool and powerful resource, but it is not something to make your life about, nor is it going to ever keep you warm at night or comfort you when you feel sad and lonely. Money cannot buy you anything that you really need outside of food and shelter. We forget that those who came before us lived millions of years with little else and seem to have managed. This is from the book, The Heart of Money, A Couple's Guide to Creating True Financial Intimacy by Deborah Price. She is a money coach and founder and CEO of the Money Coaching Institute, and you can connect with her at moneycoachinginstitute.com. We'll be right back with Deborah Price. The 7th Wave Channel on The Voice America Network. Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444. People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today. www.1111mag.com 1111 Magazine is a bi-monthly print publication that offers a rich, multi-sensory experience. As you engage with experts and topics of consciousness, become enlightened, empowered, and energized so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset, discovering the heart, and stepping into conscious living. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com. In these changing times, the journey toward global consciousness has never been more important. Gaim TV is the first online video library dedicated to support your journey toward global and personal discovery. Our viewers enjoy unlimited access to our vast selection of inspiring interviews, engaging films, and award-winning wellness videos. And we invite you to try it for free. Visit www.gaiamtv.com to start your free trial. The journey starts now. That's G-A-I-A-M TV.com. The 7th Wave Channel on The Voice America Network. You are listening. 
listening to 1111 Talk Radio. If you'd like to join today's discussion, please call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5795. Again, 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email to info at believesc.com. Now back to 1111 Talk Radio with Simran Singh. Financial intimacy is the ability to openly and honestly communicate with your partner around money while safely expressing your hopes, fears, needs, and concerns with love and respect for the relationship's highest good. Financial intimacy is the key to and foundation of your sense of safety and security in your relationships. When you can create this, you model and pass this way down to your children as well. Imagine the types of healthy money relationships and healthy intimate relationships your children can have if they're just taught the proper tools and you shed some of the teachings of the past, the generational influences, and any of the filters that you have connected to based on collective consciousness. My guest today is Deborah Price, and she is the author of The Heart of Money, A Couple's Guide to Creating True Financial Intimacy. Definitely get a copy of this book. It will be very supportive, not just in terms of your money conversation, but in terms of your relationships and what you're going to be bringing to the younger generations that are around you. They learn by how they see us behave, so it's time for us to get serious about every aspect of our lives. You can connect with Deborah at moneycoachinginstitute.com. That's moneycoachinginstitute.com. Deborah, talk about that, uh, what we're doing to our kids, because right now with the way the economy is and what we're showing them about money and with all of the excess that is portrayed on television and in many ways, um, yet they're seeing around them deficiency and lack and limitation in many households. Uh, what is that going to do to them and how can we change that conversation so that they grow up with a different money consciousness? Yeah, I, this is an area that I have a lot of concerns about because the research really shows that um, the harder the economic times, the more impacted the generation, the youth in that generation will be in the future. Um, the same way that we went through, we all you know know of people from the Depression era, there will be, our children will have a version of that in their future, unfortunately, mm. unless we begin to change it now. So I think one of the most important things is to, you know, what you share with your child or children about your financial circumstances needs to be censored. And the, the key thing is to help your child feel safe and to keep, you know, the more adult financial matters away from them because they don't actually have the capacity to manage that kind of information. And it causes them to become very fearful and anxious. Um, also, just to watch how you language and speak about um money in general, and that you and your, your spouse or partner talk about money, uh, you know, in, way, in a way that you're on the same page. You know, don't triangulate with your child and say, oh, well, I, your dad says you can't have it, but um, I'm saying you can, because this causes a great deal of confusion for the child. And most importantly, never argue or fight about money in front of your child because it makes them feel very, very scared. And then it, they grow up in turn to have aversion or avoidance issues because money is such a sensitive and scary subject to them. So those are the main things. And, and to teach your children about gratitude also in a, in a healthy way, not like you should be grateful that you have those shoes, but look at the abundance in our lives. Most of us are more abundant than we realize. And 
you know, we usually have more than enough. Um, it's the fear or projection that we're not going to that usually gets in the way. But teaching gratitude, teaching um, children to um, resource from their own sense of, in, in their own relationship with um, God or spirit, whoever, whoever they relate to, um, is very, and I very see that a, a lot of a lot of people have lost that connection to gratitude. They, they, the words "thank you" don't have as much meaning, and I think we have to cultivate in ourselves first that deep sense of gratitude, so that we can illustrate that, and then also show that appreciation, so that they pick that up as well. I think that is a huge point. Yeah, I mean, looking at the blessings that are present in our everyday life, and having your child reflect upon that. Um, is a beautiful thing. But to do it together as a family makes it even a richer experience. Most definitely. So let's talk about developing a mindful money practice. What, was that, what would that look like for someone? So one of the first things is to just really begin to look at your specific relationship with money and what is it that um, is working and what's not working in regard to that and make and begin to make a commitment to shifting that dynamic. Um, And that's always uh, an inner journey first, you know, really beginning to say, I want to understand this, I'm willing to go there, and to go there fearlessly because you have nothing to lose and everything to gain. Um, Secondly, it's about sort of clearing out the past because almost all of us house a lot of experience from the past that we carry with us. And I always find that if you want to create something new, um, you know, before you go on the journey, you have to unpack the bags because you certainly don't want to carry all that with you. Um, And I think gratitude, from my mind, is a key to a a mindful money practice as well And that, you know, whenever you're feeling somehow fearful or anxious about the future or that somehow there's not enough now to reflect on what's good... Truly, um, there's a practical reason for that as well as that gratitude practice changes the physiology of the brain and it calms down the um, parts of the brain that tend to get reactive and fearful. So those are some of the initial steps I recommend. That's wonderful. And there are numerous exercises throughout the heart of money that really will support you in in learning how to change the the manner and method in which you're living your life in regard to your intimacy with money. I love the 30-day fast from fear. Uh, It's a new diet for humanity, and I think that is a wonderful fasting program uh, that you provide within this book. Can you talk a little bit about that? Well, essentially, I think fear is the culprit in many of our lives, and so, you know, it's about really looking at the things that, you know, I think it's important to talk about our fears and to get them out there rather than just have them lie inside of us. But then to do the mindful money watch, which is every time you have a fear, literally, that begins to come in, you begin to identify, is the fear real? Meaning, is there actually, is there a fire in the room or am I just afraid there's going to be a problem? And so you start talking yourself down and the mindful money uh, watch practice is to literally cancel negative thoughts that as they come in, if they're not real, then they're a projection, meaning that you're actually living in the future in a negative way rather than experiencing the present, which is generally not as bad as we think it is. So it's about keeping that vigilant watch 
over your thoughts as they come up and canceling them and talking yourself into what is really present, what is real, what do you have to be grateful for today. And as we practice that presence, um, we begin to realize that we have the power to control these aspects of our thinking. Well, I would love for everyone to just close your eyes and take a deep breath and just listen to this beautiful, mindful money-clearing affirmation that is in the heart of money. I cleanse my mind of any and all negative thoughts and associations about money. I accept money as a positive force and ally in my life. I release and forgive all my past mistakes around money. I release and forgive my partner's mistakes as well. I accept responsibility for myself and my financial well-being. I believe that we live in an abundant universe and that this abundance is available to us right here and right now. I release any obstacle, doubt, or limitation that exists in my mind. I am free of the illusion of lack. I know there is more than enough. I have enough. I am enough. I am willing and ready to receive financial grace and abundance with ease openness, and a grateful heart. Take a deep breath. This is from The Heart of Money, A Couple's Guide to Creating True Financial Intimacy by Deborah Price. You can connect with her at moneycoachinginstitute.com. Deborah, I want to thank you for being on 1111 Talk Radio. It's a wonderful book, and I hope everyone goes out there and buys their copy and also connects with you at moneycoachinginstitute.com for any further needs that they have. Thank you so much for being on 1111 Talk Radio. Thank you, Simran, and happy holidays to you. Same to you. I hope you'll join me next week. I have an amazing show with four other fabulous guests. I have been invited to present on the 121212 World Puja Network uh, activate sacred activation for that wonderful, amazing 121212 day. And my guests will be the other co-presenters, which are Maureen Moss, who is a four-time award-winning author and the president of the World Puja Network, Neil Donald Walsh, who is a best-selling author, Ricka Zimmerman, an international teacher, Celia Fenn, an Archangel Channel, and Barry Goldstein, a Grammy Award-winning artist. So definitely join us next week. We're going to have an amazing show that will prepare and be a discussion about the 12-12-12 event. Until next time, I'm Simran Singh. Be well. Thank you for stepping into the doorway of Conscious Choice with 1111 Top Radio. Please join host Simran Singh again next Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time for another enlightening edition here on the 7th Wave Network. Remember, shift happens.